0: So when you found a company, I mean, you're everything, you know, I was first employee, I was first investor, um, first founder. And so you wear many hats and really none of those titles mean anything if you don't have anything. So it's a lot of people run around with titles, but no product or no users or no traction. So what, what does it mean to be a CEO when you have all of one user?
1: Hi everyone, I'm Arkita Harris, the work and money editor for Essence, and welcome to Unbossed, a podcast for entrepreneurs, self-starters, and women who are about their business. On today's episode, I have Morgan Debon in the studio. Now, Morgan is a CEO and co-founder of Blavity, a digital media company geared towards black millennials. Maybe you've heard of her. Maybe you've heard of Blavity, just maybe. Today, Morgan is going to dispel a few myths about Blavity and how much it really takes to launch a media company. I think it's worth noting that Blavity has only been around for like five years, and already it's carved a niche for itself in a very crowded marketplace. Now, what gave Morgan the audacity to launch a niche media business during a time that competition was so fierce? That's something she's gonna get into. What's great about Morgan's story is this. She found her niche and she found her base and she went with it. I think Morgan's story is inspiring because so many of us have ideas and so many of us push those ideas out of our head because we think, oh, this has already been done. But I think we can all get inspired by taking a trip to the supermarket walking down the bread aisle and seeing that there are, oh, I don't know, maybe 30 different types of bread. Now, it doesn't matter that a marketplace feels crowded. It matters that you can find your angle. I think some people might feel overwhelmed and think, okay, we don't need another bread brand. But some people will go into that space and still find a hole in a market that's not being served, and they'll figure out how to serve that market. And I think essentially that's what Morgan's done. As you'll learn, Morgan is every bit a serial entrepreneur, She's also a Black woman blazing the trail in the technology space. This is no easy feat, considering that the space is overwhelmingly white and male, two things that Morgan is not. Since co-founding Blavity a few years ago, she and her team have also gone on to launch Afrotech, the largest technology conference for Black folks working in tech. She also acquired the iconic Black film website Shadow and Act. Given her track record thus far, it's clear that Morgan has no intention of slowing down. Did I mention... Morgan has done all of this before she turned 30. Yeah. She's going to tell you more about that. Let's get into it.
0: Hi, Morgan. Welcome to Brooklyn. Yes.
1: Welcome, welcome. Um, So let's get right into it. I like to open up every interview with the same question. What was your very, very first job?
0: Oh, good question. The first job that someone paid me for? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> we can, you know, I mean, we can get into barter, too, if you're, you, like, if your parents... I,
0: in high school, I worked at Toys R Us. Okay. And H&M. Okay. Oof. And Delia's. And they all kind of overlapped. So at one point, I was working, like, H&M and Toys R Us at the same time during Christmas okay. season. Um, that was miserable. <laughs> I was pretty so, miserable. Like, people are ratchet in terms of, you know, they're not folding clothes and um, kids with their, their baskets already full of toys and stuff crying. So oh, my gosh. I learned a lot about being humble and, um, yes, being grateful for what you have. Yeah. I can't believe you said
1: Delia's. I forgot, like, the catalog, right? from back. Yes. That was, like, my favorite. I mean, who's, you know— who, who didn't love Delia's, but I forgot that they had a storefront. They had a storefront. They had all those
0: graphic tees yes. and the jeans. Yes, and all, like, the <laughs> glitter stuff. So, and, okay.
1: <laughs> and you were, this was in St. Louis? Yes, this
0: is St. Louis. Which is where you're from. Yep. Born yes. and Okay.
1: So I want to know more about um, what kind of tech were you surrounded by growing up? Like, was your family, like, were they, you know, the first on the block to have a computer, or was it, like you learned that from school. What kind of, what's your tech
0: experience? Um, well, so I was born in 1990. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our elementary school had those really fun colored desktop Mac computers that yes. were like lime green With and, and lime you, blue. You had Macs,
1: Macs. I remember that. Yeah. When, and, yeah. And middle,
0: or in elementary school. So I definitely, um, was, you know, was exposed to, to home computers, um, at a relatively early age and, so it wasn't abnormal to have you know phones my mom had the the car phone yep. and then the BlackBerry yes. and the you know the all big the stash. phone and the yeah. car Yeah. <laughs> so we went through all the general consumer technology things. Um, and, you know, we're privileged enough that as a black family, we were able to have those things yeah. at home. I was definitely a computer nerd. Like I played Civilization. I was a gamer. So I played Got Civilization. Okay. I played Sim, Sim City. Wow. Um, you know, looking back, it's, I guess it's not surprising that I was like, let me do world domination with <laughs> Civilization or <laughs> yes, like build this it. city and like take over, you know, it. other towns, whatever. So um, yeah, I was, I was always playing with Toys, games, computers, um, but I didn't ever study. You know, I didn't. I wasn't born in Palo Alto where people yeah. are learning computer sciences from nine. Yeah, I got a job offer. Actually, remember, I got an internship offer, um, probably my sophomore to junior year of college, and it was in Mountain View. It was Google in Mountain View, mm-hmm. and I declined it because I didn't want to live in the mountains. Ah. I thought it was going to be cold for the summer okay? because I, I didn't it. know it was in California. So <laughs> I definitely wasn't like woke tech. Yes, you know? I wasn't it. like one of those people just um, dreaming about Silicon Valley uh, until – I actually worked for a tech company in Saint Louis, one of the very few. This is was it into it? Uh, no, it was that was when I graduated. Okay. So Which in we'll undergrad. Get into, but. Yeah, I did work at Intuit. Um yeah. but when I gradu when I was still in undergrad, I worked at a tech company Got I interned it. in St. Louis. Okay. Um I declined it. My Google offer fail right. for <laughs> a tech company in St. Louis. Well that's all right. You took your time and it clearly it paid off. So it did. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, and I learned a lot from from that team and um, and that product and then made the decision, okay, I'm going to apply to companies whose products I use on an on a often regular basis. So I was just filing my taxes for the first time. Yeah. I was using Mint.com and getting all the notifications yeah. that I was overspending. How old were you? Um, I think age. I was probably nineteen, twenty, okay. twenty, twenty one. I always ask age because I think
1: um, there is this misconception that – I think we often think people are so much further ahead or t- we just don't, you don't know. Yeah. So I think it's important to kind of like. I'm not shy about blood. age. Yeah. And yeah. I never want anyone to feel uncomfortable about that, but it's important to me. Um, but I want to back up a little. Sure. So you attended um, Washington University in St. Louis, and that's where you came up with the idea for Blavity. Not
0: How quite. did this come up? Yeah. Sure. So, um, WashU is a predominantly white institution, mm-hmm. um, and but it didn't necessarily feel that way. So we had a really strong black community at WashU. My co-founders and I, we all went to school. So I, I have three co-founders: Jonathan mm-hmm. Jackson, Aaron Samuels, and Jeff Nelson. we were all different years in school. Got it. There was this uh, big round table in the cafeteria where we all would sit at, and it was like all of a sudden you got three people sitting out, five people, Mm. 20 people. The table doesn't fit that many people. So we're just grabbing chairs, doing whatever. (laughs) And you're sitting there for three or four hours and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, did you just skip class? Yeah. I love it. Or do you even go here anymore? Like why are you (laughs) sitting here? Like didn't you graduate, bro? Like why are you on campus right now? So, you know, it was a moment every day um, of community when you're mostly surrounded by white faces through your classes um, and in your dorm rooms. And so we use the term blavity, which means black gravity. It stands Mm -hmm. for black gravity to describe that phenomenon of black folks coming together. I mean, it's the same thing all of a sudden in the park. You yep. know, three people, four people, oh, what's that? No, like so come you know, through, come through, come through, yeah. come through. And all of a sudden, it's a whole kickback, right? Yeah. So Blavity is that um, kind of emotion feeling, and, and it's a verb of people coming together. And so I wanted to recreate that experience online, because mm-hmm. we actually, as a community, we already do it. If you go to the best Reddit threads are totally. the black threads. Yep. The best Tumblr is black Tumblr. The best Twitter is black Twitter. Black Twitter, Twitter so all of it. We naturally do this. We naturally come together, but there's well, there was, at the time, no platform that was thinking about how you do that at a larger scale and for us specifically, designed for us specifically. So, um, yeah. And that's what Blavity is about. So, um, can we talk more about like, so you guys
1: are at this lunch table in college and there's more and more people kind of coming together and like, I want to know more about just how everything began with Blavity and like what made you guys, um, you know, like who, who kind of said, you know what, we need to take this to a digital platform or did someone say you know there's a hole and like how
0: did it come out yeah so um blavity started five years after school so blavity is the the word blavity is what mm-hmm. we got in college got it. and then we all moved and lived our we lives yeah okay. um so i moved to silicon valley to work it into it living in mountain view I did that for three years, and then I started the company. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I quit my job and then brought on my other co-founders after about a year. Then they quit their jobs mm-hmm. and became full-time. So um, it's it's always a bit of a journey. It's not as clean as, like, you know, we weren't one of those startups that you just come out in college. Yeah, and was totally. like,
1: screw corporate America. I like, no, that's, <laughs> and I kind that's of thought that, that, but works. I also wanted to, because I've um, obviously, of course, I've um, dug around and mm-hmm. have been, like, picking up on, things in different places. But I think there's always um, so many entrepreneur stories. They're romanticized. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't you don't get a lot of the backstory about some of the like, some of the blood, sweat and tears and of how everything launched. So I kind of didn't want to just first get a grasp on that. But yeah. my next question, in, um, how much did it cost to do a project like like this especially you were still working at another job yeah um and this you did say um into it mm-hmm. and which i do i feel like i am very familiar with because Turbo of tax. taxes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in case for some of y'all out there who do your own taxes yes. um but yeah they do so much and so you're working this job i'm just, i'm gonna project here and assume like you're feeling a little stable in your footing and it's like, okay, you got this great stable job in Mountain View in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> Mountain I'm kidding.
0: In I'm kidding. I'm kidding. In Louis being me being like, don't go to Mountain View. Like go to Mountain View, girl. I Say love yes it. That <laughs> I'm from a, um, a city in
1: Michigan called Grand Rapids. There are no rapids there. Exactly. So, um, exactly. so I want to know, like, did it, like, how did, how much money did it take to launch, essentially? And also, um, what did you have to sacrifice in order to do this?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, I've always been a hustler. So I was investing um, in the stock market since I was 13. Um, so I made quite a few investments, like Apple, Facebook stock, when, mm-hmm. when their IPO crashed. Um, so I had a lot of savings saved up that it compounded interest over time. Um, and then also I was living like a college student, even though I was getting paid, you know, basically six figures, um, within, you know, a couple of years of graduating. So I Roommates, you know, ate boiled eggs and oatmeal every day. Um, I didn't go to brunch and all yeah. the things where it's like, go to brunch and let's go to Bali and yeah. let's go to Mexico. I was like, that's no. a no for me, dog. Like I'm going to <laughs> I'm on my ground. I'm focused, you know, yeah. and, and I wanted to hustle in my 20s so that I could chill in my 30s. I didn't want to, you know, take a vacation, vacation off from what? Like I'm 23, four years old, yeah. you know. So um I was really, really focused. And so I saved every single penny that I had. Uh, to make sure that I could live on my own in San Francisco, which is incredibly expensive, mm-hmm. and maintain you know a, a, a my apartment at least um, for a year or two, and also continue to invest in Blavity because you know when you quit your job to start a company, not only are you paying for your expenses, you're also paying for the expenses of the company. Absolutely. so it's a double dip in your savings. So um, I did that. I worked on Blavity and worked at Intuit for about six months. So mm-hmm. I would wake up at 5 a.m. work East Coast hours. I was in San Francisco at that time. I'd moved. Um so I would work for three hours, go to work, and then I leave mm-hmm. at 4:45 and come straight home and, and get back to work. So a lot of discipline, a lot of Saturdays, a lot of Sundays and yeah. late nights. And um but that you know gave me the head start to be able to like push the company forward. Until you know, I was able to get venture funding, and then my co-founders were able to quit, and other people were able to Got to come it. on full time
1: and for that first um, I do like to try to get just hard figures, just numbers because i don't I think that's something that we also don't talk enough about about sure. how how much does it cost to launch a company like that from your whether it's from your own
0: I mean, savings I even really or track it because yeah it's it was, it's not like you pay yourself, so mm-hmm. it's not true costs um everything is nickel and dime right yep. so of my savings, how much have I spent on blavity over the years? at least three hundred thousand Got it. Um, okay. and not all at once. and yep. not even all in this individual phase. you know, there's there's so many sets of costs over the last four and a half years. yeah, um, but all those all that cash comes back and pays dividends, definitely. so you did say something that I thought was
1: interesting. Um, you would wake up at five in the morning and do three hours and then go into work and then you like it sounds like you are somebody who is extremely disciplined. Um was growing up were you like that? Cause you went correct me if I'm wrong. Fact check me. You went to a magnet school, right? Did I read
0: that went somewhere? To school and middle okay. school, yeah. I feel like those are usually
1: mm-hmm. institutions that are, you know, especially growing up, that are gonna make you a it little
0: was, more disciplined. No, in St. Louis. okay. All right, magnet, all right. It wasn't like magnet school all right. in New York. <laughs> 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 I mean, I know I'm McKinley Classical <laughs> Junior Academy, but Yeah. yeah. Were no. you always disciplined like as a kid too? Kind of growing up. You know, my parents have an amazing work ethic. My father has an amazing work ethic, so I didn't know any different. Yeah. You know, I, he's a doctor. He's a, a hematologist, oncologist, and works with kids who have sickle cell disease. And so he's constantly was, you know, working on grants and submitting proposals and then going to clinic and all these things mm-hmm. and traveling and going to conferences and pitching and prepping and all this stuff. So I never knew any different. I thought that it was normal to work like that. Um, and. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I'm grateful that that was how I was raised because it's given me kind of a superpower to really be able to get work done um, in an efficient manner, you know. And so, yeah, I've always been relatively disciplined, yeah. you know. Relatively. I love you. I love, probably, I love you. Look, you're you, giving me a face right, right now. Instagram, you know, I'm not <laughs> yes. that disciplined all the time, but I, I'm good for a solid wake up okay. and um, I'm not, I can't get any work done between like 12 and 4. Yeah. So okay. that's, it's just like dead time it's just to dead. me. Yeah. So I'm, I have to wake up early so I can make sure I get things finished. Do you work at night? I little Do you have bit. a cutoff time in a your schedule? Bit. Yeah. I'll dilly dally at night. Okay. You know, I'll work on some like project management type things Got or it. read emails, but I'm not doing some serious Excel like strategy models. and like, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's it. like your early morning grind. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so my question for
1: you now is, um, 2019, obviously, since launching the company um, in 2014, July, Mm -hmm. um, your role has clearly changed and it's, you know, you've evolved. Um, Can you talk to me about, I guess, how your role has changed as a co-founder from, you know, the last, what is that, five years? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when you found a company, I mean, you're everything, you know, I was first employee, I was first investor, um, first founder. And so you wear many hats and really none of those titles mean anything if you don't have anything. So it's a lot of people run around with titles but no product, or no users, or no traction. So what, what does it mean to be a CEO mm. when you have all of one no users. You have no employees. <laughs> I see, see that on LinkedIn a lot,
1: but no time. shade.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm here for projecting your future and, like, vision and all that good stuff. I mean, I, I said that Blavity was the voice of millennials when we had five users, yeah. you know? So we were, because there was no one else being the voice of black millennials, yeah. so That was why we did it. (laughs) But, you know, I do think that um, from a title perspective, titles are cheap. Labels are cheap. You can't take yourself too seriously. It's more about the work. Mm -hmm. Um, So from a work perspective, my time is definitely transitioned. You know, we have 75 full-time employees, two offices, as you mentioned, five brands yeah. that basically are separate companies. Um, you know, I've raised millions of dollars in funding. So I have venture capitalists and a board, right. It's just yeah. a different day to day than back in the day when I'd be like, what button color do we <laughs> use on the website? <laughs> like Got what it. upworker should we hire to like build this thing? Yeah. I can't, it. I don't have the time to do that anymore. Yeah. I miss those days yeah. of being a full-time creator. Um, but I think my role today is, you know, one that i feel incredibly like humbled to have in that we're building a company, like a place that employs people that we can, they can grow in their careers that they can get braces and glasses and things that, you know, when you work at a big company, you don't think yeah. that somebody created that for you, Absolutely. you know? And so it's really cool to be in a place where we can make our own decisions as a group on who do we want to be. And, you know, it's I love it when people call me out internally and they'll be like, you know, I just feel like that wasn't part of our company culture and values. And I'm like, you know, you like, know actually, I'm with you on that. Like, good, good point. You know, like, <laughs> let me reframe that or like, let me do a better job at being a leader for this group of people. Like, let me evaluate how I'm leading, yeah. um, which is very different when you than when you're starting a company and you're thinking about the product and the users. I think more about my team now That's good. than I do um, about, you know, the overall community. Oftentimes, because our teams got it, you know, mm-hmm. they're thinking on a day-to-day basis about making the best user experience possible. Mm. Um, so who's thinking about their experience, right? So it's it's a weird transition yeah. over time. So it sounds like you
1: definitely um, you've transitioned. Obviously, like you have more employees now, and so like you've taken on the role of being a leader even more and managing. Um, were there some I don't know, some growing pains over the, like, what what were some of the biggest challenges that you kind of had to be like, okay, I I don't know how to do this. So let me take a step back and either A, hire someone or B, take some classes or do something where I'm educating myself.
0: Well, I think one of the challenges is that we always look larger than we are publicly. So the level of accountability and entitlement that comes with someone or a group of people thinking that your startup is a, you know, raising 40, 50 million dollars like other digital media companies do like or Friday 29 are complex or that you're even, you know, most media companies aren't even independently owned. So the resources, I mean, you guys feel this, I'm sure at Essence now finally being back to being independent, which is yeah. a blessing. Yay. Shout out to Rich. <laughs> um, but. You know when you work at a big company, there are benefits. So I think people projected early on, like, oh blah, blah, like you we guys can, money. Do money. You I can, can do, do this. Everything. You know, you yeah. can pay me this, or we can have this benefit. <laughs> no. Or I'm you know, like, what with what money where? You know, yeah. so we're building it from scratch as we go and we're gonna make mistakes. And so I think I took a lot of stuff personally. Yeah. Um, and it, it definitely hurt like every single piece of criticism where it, Feels like it's just going into the internet when people tweet that stuff. It's like that's, that's like, going no, into no, that's me. Going into my feed. <laughs> that's, going into
1: <laughs> that's going into my
0: spirit. You know. But, so I think yeah. that's just for anyone who's listening, who's an entrepreneur, and they feel that criticism when a customer complains about their product because it arrived two days late, yeah. and you're like, I made this product from mm. my bare hands. You know, Got it. Um, to not take that stuff personally. To as as fast as possible, be able to compartmentalize, like you are not the company, like your identity is not the same thing as the company. And it, as a founder, it's really hard to separate from that. Yeah. Um, but actually when you separate from it and you realize like you are a person and you have a role in a job and the company is its own entity and it, you are not the same, you're not one. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows you to have the flexibility to actually be really a lot more objective and open to people's feedback and criticism. So yeah. when people give me feedback on Blavie, I'm like, you know what? Thank you. Thank you. No, I love that. Like, yeah. I love getting all the, like, there's a typo on page seven. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Look, we go fix it. We Thank don't you. Fix it now. We just, yeah. No. <laughs> Three years been <laughs> like, we didn't got time to fix that. Yeah, typo. that's right. Y'all out here, we out here writing, you know? <laughs> not like,
1: okay, cool. Now it's like, look, you know, I, and it's like, okay, I can, you're I, talking to someone too who, um, For while I edited um, (laughs) correcting those typos on sites and like a little while ago. So I remembered feeling personally assaulted, like Mm -hmm. God, when you're editing all these stories and you start to see, you know. So I I get it from that perspective. Um so when you launched, when you and your co-founders launched Mm Blavni in July 2014, I'm trying to kind of thinking of the media landscape at the time, um, the Grio um. The roots. The grill
0: might have just gotten bought by Byron Allen. Yeah. And it was gonna,
1: I think like that was around the time it kind of maybe became independent again. I gotta check. Because um, it was
0: the root was independent, then got rebought and bought yeah. back and all this stuff.
1: But like so those were some, you know, and thinking of like some internet based, like go to websites for Very Smart
0: Brothers. Yeah,
1: yeah, for Black News. Mm-hmm. Um and then the, of course there was also BuzzFeed, which was just, you know, just kind of ruling everything to the point where Looking back, it's now obnoxious. Um, Upworthy, yes, yes,
0: the world, world, yes, all of that. All right, Peter, world star.
1: (laughs) But you went into the space. um, You and your co-founders went into the space that it seems like it was very um, robust, so to speak, like in terms of a lot of the media. But you clearly saw that there was a hole, and I don't know how else to phrase this, but how did you have the audacity? Yeah,
0: yeah, I actually like all the ones you describe, I'm like, yeah, where are they now? You know, like I didn't view them as competitors because it was so clear to me that like our generation of young black people in this Mm -hmm. country, we function differently. We're naturally like we're digital natives. We need a different type of brand. Um, and it's not a monolith, you know, Blavity has five brands for a reason. We are not just Blavity.com, right? We've got travel Noir, we've got 2190, like And there are people who know Shadow and Act or 2190 who've never heard of Afrotech or Blavity. And I'm okay with that. Like, it's designed that way. So it was clear to me that there is a huge missed opportunity to create a brand that really spoke to this generation and even younger than us. I mean, Mm. you think about where we are. Imagine, like, the 18-year-olds. Do you think they're really reading some of those websites that you just listed? No, they're not. So what was going to be there for them. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to build something that will be there for them and that will be institutional um, and be a serious news publication on the Blavity news side. And then for our other brands, experiential, whatever that may be. So yeah, I didn't, I think that's what Silicon Valley teaches you is like, it doesn't matter if there's another semi-related product in the market mm-hmm. because you can do it better. Yeah. If you can do it better than go. You know, um, and just keep your head down and don't try to be a little bit better than anybody else or else you'll wind up being better than no one. Mm -hmm. Just create a world that didn't exist. And then people will remember, people will literally be like, when did Blavity start? Like, Ten years ago? I'm mm-hmm. like, no. Like, what are you talking about? We no, just got here. when I was researching, I was literally like,
1: wait, that wasn't 2014. Five years ago. Yeah, like, I definitely had that here. moment where I was like, wait, no, you guys have been around longer. Yeah. And now I have you in front of me who's able to fact check and confirm. <laughs> it was only five years ago. <laughs> yeah. So um, that said, when you got into the space with media, um. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you didn't really have any other experience in working in media. So what what was challenging about that? Like it sounds like so a lot of your experience did come from a tech space, mm-hmm. and like you knew how to you know you knew how to deal with money, you knew those aspects, you knew investing, you knew all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about dealing with you know the crazy world of media, media and headlines and ethics and yeah. all those weird things that no one I don't think really thinks about and um, I've dealt with this being someone who's been in media for a little while, right? Um, where it's you know a lot of people don't know like okay, this you know how to how to craft a story, how to yeah. do this, or what you know the, all the little details that are involved in that. You know, what was that experience like?
0: So media is one of those things where you know there's different definitions depending on who you ask. Mm-hmm. So media to me, which is a non-traditional point of view, is um, media is just storytelling yeah. and content. So everything I think in this world, when you think about new companies and new products that are coming out, they're all storytellers. They're all building their own media brands. They're all telling their product story, talking about the lifestyle for people who interact with that product, um, bringing people together through events and experiences. So for me, Blavity is no different. Um, Media is a distribution channel and it was important for me that we had our own distribution channel that we owned mm-hmm. and that we weren't dependent on Facebook or Twitter or another tech platform to give us permission to connect with each other and to share stories. In my ideal world in the long long term, Blavity is the platform, right? Like we are the place where people can tell their own stories and journalists and others can use the network and the distribution channel that we've created mm-hmm. to reach people faster, better, cheaper. Um and that's what that's where the tech comes in. Mm-hmm. So once we made that decision early on, and once I made the decision, like I'm not gonna try to be a fake play journalist, right? Yeah. Um, because I have a lot of respect for the industry and I did not study it. And so <laughs> Oxford, comma, don't know anything about it. <laughs> you know? It. Yes. And so we hire journalists, yeah. right? So, you know, I trust Lily, the editor-in-chief of Blavity News. She's super dope. Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. So we hire people who have been traditional, you know, career black journalists um, as editors and leaders of the company. And we let them do their jobs. And we trust them to do their jobs. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I will provide feedback on on societal things like we should be covering these types of issues um, and this is what the data says and this is what the numbers says about what our our community is interested in but ultimately it's their decision on how they want to run their newsrooms mm-hmm. and the process um, and I think that has allowed us to be really fluid and flexible and not get caught up in a lot of the mistakes that other digital media companies have made oh, which has really. resulted in them not no more yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, r.i.p by the way. R.I.P. Um, so.
1: Let's step back and talk about black media sure. a little bit more broadly. Um, there's some people who have said, like, eh, we don't really need black, you know, like, specifically, like, um, you know, like, like the Essences, like the Ebony's and yeah. like a lot of other uh, black media companies that have, you know, that are no more. Right. Um I've heard discussions and I've been in places with black folks who said, you know, That they're not necessarily needed anymore, Mm. and I'm curious. What's your perspective on that? And do you think, um, like, companies being specifically black owned, black content, is that still necessary in modern in 2019?
0: So I think that with social media, there is a lot of content that now we can get directly from the source. Mm -hmm. So I think before we needed Jet and Ebony and Black Enterprise um, to tell stories about. People that we didn't, we couldn't get to, because mm-hmm. um, we couldn't find them. Now I can go on Bose's IG. Totally, you know. Now I can see Robert Smith give away forty million dollars in the moment, yeah. in real time. I don't have to wait till a magazine comes out yep. 45 days later, maybe, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. tell that story. So I think in, in that sense that we are closer to our heroes mm-hmm. now more than ever, and we don't have to wait for anyone else to pick and choose kingmakers and queenmakers in the world of our own narratives. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. So then the question becomes, all right, if it's not to, um, like, share that type of news and stories, what is the responsibility of black media? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people made mistakes because I think a lot of black media companies just s- stuck with the celebrity news and it was like, okay, but the shade room. Like, yeah. I don't need to wait to see what Issa Rae is, wear- Issa Rae is wearing on the red carpet and what lipstick she's wearing because she's tagging it yeah. on IG. So I don't need to wait till the magazine comes out. Exactly. So um, I think now what black media needs to do is what are the stories that no one else is going to tell but us? Right. So those stories that aren't about celebrities Mm -hmm. that are about like the little black girl. Yeah. The human interest stories. And then also um, reporting on issues Mm -hmm. because no one's going to advocate for our people like we're going to advocate for ourselves. So we need to actually advocate and create more um, trained storytelling. And go even further into kind of like the traditional journalism sense in terms of telling real stories. And that's what we're focused on with Blavity News. And we launched Blavity Politics a a couple months ago because we realized there was no one actually like tracking candidates. Mm -hmm. Like they say this stuff, but who's actually fact-checking them on their black stances, right? Um, I think that's a missed opportunity and and actually is going to do better. Um, I think it's for us specifically for Blavity it's a big opportunity for us to actually step up mm-hmm. um, and build some more set that we don't have. And then the second thing is um, we're more connected globally than we ever have been before. And there's no global black news mm-hmm. brand. And if you look at other demographics and communities that does exist. Yeah. And so what does it look like for us to think about, okay, you can look on Instagram for like people's, you know, dress color and hairstyles, but <laughs> How do I find out what's going on in London? Mm. I literally
1: couldn't I tell dig-do. you right you gotta now. You got to dig a lot. You got to <laughs> yeah. like, okay, let me follow some people on social who are from London. Who are those people? Yeah. I don't even know how to find
0: <laughs> We don't even really know, you <laughs> yeah, know? I absolutely. mean, and so I think that's the next step um, for black media. And I think that's a huge opportunity. So got if somebody's listening to this and beats me to it, <laughs> I was, well, I shout was out to you.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, like, um, and not just... I'm not mining for ideas, by the (laughs) way, but I was kind of curious to know what, like, what's underserved for us, you know, in the media landscape, and it sounds like global.
0: Yeah, I think global is, I think there's other sub-communities in the black community that are underserved, and there's specific information, like informational things, like black finance, right? Like, we were just talking about debt before we stepped on the podcast, like, student debt and managing, like families, okay, you have to take care of your grandma and your mom and oh, health yeah. insurance and all of these financial things because we have no one else to talk to. Absolutely. And it's different than, you can't just read Wall Street Journal. You <laughs> no, know, no. like you need That's not for us. Not, not, well, I mean, it's for us, but it's not really for It's us. educational. <laughs> it, it, it's news. It's, so, you know, it's business yeah. news. So yeah. um, I think there's a lot of content that should be created for our community that doesn't exist and would help accelerate our growth Definitely. and our connectedness. Oof, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um,
1: That just gave me chills because clearly that's something that as the work money editor,
0: (laughs) that's definitely something I'm passionate about. I mean, people love your content. Spreading
1: the knowledge. Um, All right. So I want to know, back back to Blavity, Mm -hmm. um, is being independent, is that something that you, like, really enjoy? Is that something that, like, would you ever um, want to, I don't know, sell Blavity? Is, is um, your independence as a company, is that, um, how crucial is that to you? And do you see Blavity as remaining independent for, let's say, the next
0: five years? Definitely the next five years. Yeah. I think we have so much to do. Independence allows for a level of arrogance in just doing stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if we had had to ask permission to do all of our Blavity politics work, for example, people would say, well, you need to go hire all these people. Yeah. You need to, like, put people on the campaign trail. You need to get in there with Donald Trump and all this stuff. And we just did it our way. We did it the way we felt like our community needed, and it's grown, mm-hmm. you know. And so I love being able to move fast and not ask for permission um and being in control of your own board and you know I'm the largest shareholder of the company like no being able to do what we need to do to be able to grow it um I still think it's really early we have so much more to grow you know um that being said you know if something or some group of people come along I don't think there's any one company we would sell to it's probably a group of people or yeah. or there's something that would happen in the macro la- landscape that would mean that we could do much more better faster got it um, that's really the only option at this point. Okay. So you're like, nah. There's just no. You know, it's kind <laughs> of like, it. no, It's like, nah. like we're good. You know, yeah. the team is strong. You know, we've got people who've been with us since day one, mm-hmm. and That's um, we've got half the company has only been with us for six months because we just hired a bunch of people. So yeah. it's uh, we've got a lot of stuff to do still. Yeah. So I love to ask everyone,
1: what does the word unbossed mean to you? And also, tell me about a woman dead, alive doesn't matter, (laughs) who's embossed to you, who meets that definition, who inspires you?
0: You know, I think the word really means um, like entrepreneurship unapologetically and being able to be your own decision maker. Um, I think as black women, oftentimes we are trained to seek others approval for what we do for our hair or have to fight for approval. Mm. Um, And being unbossed is about like, you just let all that go and you just live your life and make your vision and go. So um, there's a lot of women that I admire that have done that. I think Ava DuVernay is a really fantastic woman who you know, didn't follow a traditional pathway and didn't allow for those perceived restrictions yeah. to prevent her from being one of the best filmmakers of our generation.
1: Obviously, I don't want you to tell her story, but can you just give a little example for, I, I've definitely read a lot about her beginnings too, but for yeah. those that don't know,
0: Ava was in PR yeah. and she didn't really start, um, you know, this, the second half of career, her career until her mid thirties mm-hmm. or early thirties. And I think a lot of people in Hollywood would have said, you know, people in Hollywood, you kind of have to start when you're young yeah. and um, you want to be, one of the best filmmakers or directors, producers alive, mm-hmm. like that doesn't just happen in your, you don't just start to start, you know? Yeah. Um, so and I think for black women, people, it, and it's kind of the same thing for my story. You know, people would have said, you can't just do this. You can't just raise that amount of money from these top investors and build a really black company run by mostly black women, Mm -hmm. you're like, that's not going to just happen. You know, like that sounds nice. We agree with that should be a world that exists. But I think that being on boss means that you just say, I'm going to do it. And you go.
1: So with so much going on in 2019, I want to know more about, you know, you don't, You're not just running Blavity, as we mentioned earlier. You have a lot going on. You're doing um, there's Summit 21. Can you talk a little bit about that and
0: Afrotech and everything? So many things happening this (laughs) summer. Um, First up is Summit 21, which is our women's conference. It's in Atlanta. It's going to be amazing. We have Auntie Maxine. We have Miss Tina. We have Karuchi. We've got Goapole, We've got a poetry night. It's going to be an amazing experience. About 3,000 women, tons of small businesses coming through. Um, so you guys should definitely check that out. Um, I'm launching my advisory program, Work Smart, this summer. So I've already been coaching people, but launching a larger program, which I'm really excited about, to share some of this stuff about how to grow a business and yeah. scale it. So
1: it's kind of like a mentorship
0: program? Where... It's a mentorship program. Okay. And it's for businesses who've already launched. I think there's like a lot of content about having an idea and how to get it out there, yeah. but not a lot of content really focused on small businesses that have already launched and already have like dollars to $10,000 of revenue or more. Got it. Because It's easy to launch. It's really hard to grow a company and maintain and to get above the five employee mark and to figure out how to like automate things. Absolutely. So I'm really focused there because I think there's not enough information for our community on that and particularly for black women where we're juggling so many things. And then it's our fifth year birthday. Yeah. So we I was made it say, to year congratulations. five Congratulations. You got Not a toddler. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, like it's so crazy. So we always do a really big party because startup statistics show you that less than one percent make it past year one. Yeah, so to make amazing. it to year five is like it's amazing. Really exciting. I hope you're like patting yourself on the back and like I, I don't know. Celebrate. I'm a big celebrator. Yeah, okay, that's what milestone. I like doing.
1: Because a lot of people, they're hesitant to do so or, you know, it's, um, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I could be gone anytime or something. So you don't, you're just too focused on doing the work as opposed to like appreciating that you've come this far.
0: So. I think it's so important to celebrate milestones with your team because, yeah. you know, I get to celebrate as a CEO. I get, you know, the, the press and all this stuff. But there's people who work. Every single day. Mm-hmm. And they don't get to celebrate and look back and smell the roses. So mm-hmm. we always do a really big party. Good. Okay.
1: <laughs> nice. Um, feel free to slip us an invite or nice. me and producer Tiffany, who's over there. Um, all right. Come well, through. yeah, you have a busy year ahead of you. So congratulations on your five. Thank you. Where can everybody learn more about the work that you're doing?
0: Yeah. So people can follow me on Instagram. I drop tons of small business gems. Um, so it's just my first name and last name at Morgan DeBon. And um, I also have a weekly newsletter that goes out to small business owners through my WorkSmart program. So people can sign up for Work WorkSmart um, by going to my website, MorganDebon.com, and you'll see a link right there. And then you'll see me your inbox every week with some hardcore gems. All right. Well, on that note, I, I see no better place to <laughs> so
1: wrap it up. Um, thank you, Morgan. Um, it's been a great, great, inspirational chat. Um, I'm receiving all of this right now, looking at you across from me. Um, Email me at unboss at essence.com. Tell me about a woman in your life who inspires you to be unbossed. Or if you don't want to email, comment on social media using the hashtag unbosspodcast. podcast. And please, please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Say nice things, say constructive things, please. Okay. See you guys later.